Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. He will lead us. Now, how did God speak to Gideon? How does he speak to us? Well, first he spoke through a word. He gave Gideon a word. We have the assurance through the word of God. In verses 36 to 38, Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, notice what he says, as you have promised. God had spoken to him before. He said, I'm going to deliver Israel by your hand. It was a theophany, an appearance of God. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet Today, Pastor Ed will be challenging us to be students of the Word of God. There is no better way to understand God's will for your life than to meditate on the Word of God day and night. As we learn about the life of Gideon, we'll see that he had times of doubt and times of faith. Gideon put out a fleece to test the Lord because he had some doubts. But at other times, Gideon simply believed the word that God gave him. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So when you have doubts, get into the word. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. going to turn in our Bibles to the sixth chapter of the book of Judges, reading a very familiar passage, a passage of scripture that really speaks about something that we often do in our churches and in our journey. Uh, Did you ever hear the expression, put a fleece out before the Lord? How many have done that? Yeah, a good many of you have. And, And that's something I think most of us have done at some time or another. We're going to talk about pursuing God's will in our lives. The greatest knowledge you could have is to know the will of God. And the greatest accomplishment is to do his will. Greatest knowledge is to know the will of God. And there's no greater accomplishment than doing God's will in your life. I'm going to read from Judges chapter 6, verses 37 to 40. Judges chapter 6, 37 to 40. This is Gideon speaking to God. Look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand. Now notice what he says, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me. Notice he knew he was treading on dangerous ground. He didn't want to provoke God to anger. He says, do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. You know, the Bible talks about not testing the Lord. And so Gideon is realizing, all right, Lord, I, I know you said it, but I want you to help me work through these things. And so one more test with the fleece. This time, the fleece should be dry and the ground covered with dew. Now that would be more difficult because uh, the ground would more readily dry up than the fleece. And so this time, the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew. 
The night God did so, only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. It was wet. God knows you. He knows me. He knows our, our strengths, our weaknesses. When he called you, he wasn't suddenly surprised by the journey, by you. He wasn't surprised by Gideon when he called Gideon. He knew what Gideon was all about when he said, Thou mighty man of valor. It's amazing how God puts trust in us and believes in us and brings the best out of us if we'll trust him. All of us have been in the place where we've wondered, is this God's will? Maybe the person you're courting or dating and you say, God, is it God's will? Or, or maybe it's the job you're pursuing. Or, uh, you know, we have different ways of trying to determine the will of God. Some people sort of flip a coin, heads or tails. That must be the will of God. Now, if you're more spiritual, you'll use this method. Uh, you'll say, Lord, wherever I open my Bible and whatever verse I fall to, you speak to me out of it. I heard about a man who did that and he came to the passage of scripture and Judas went out and hung himself. And he thought, this isn't working well. Uh, it didn't work right. Let, let me do this again. So he, he did it again. And it read, go out and do thou likewise. <laughs> and it really, he said, one, one last time. And he went to the scripture and it said, what thou doest, do quickly. <laughs> you know, uh, that's not the way to find God's will. Now, I read about, now, even spiritual people, very godly people, make mistakes. So no matter how much of a Christian you are, you don't always get things right. One of my favorite characters from church history uh, is John Wesley. He was the founder of the Methodist movement. He was a great man of prayer. Uh, He founded the Methodist church. Well, John Wesley served time here in America as a missionary in Savannah, Georgia. And he fell in love with this uh, young lady, Sophie Hopke. And Sophie Christina Hopke was a beautiful Christian woman, but Wesley was a part of a club called the Holy Club. Now in that Holy Club, they so valued singleness that they all committed never to get married. And so he was in a quandary. What should I do? Should I marry? Should I not marry? And and so he got together with a friend and he decided to draw lots. Now he wrote on three different slips of paper this. One, marry. Number two, on the second piece, he said, think not of it this year. So put it off to another year. And then on another lot, think of it no more. And so when they pulled the lot, it said, think of it no more. And so he was heartbroken. He didn't marry her. Then when he went over the Atlantic back home to uh, England, uh, he wrote in his diary about his romance. He said, snatched as a brand out of the fire. I don't know what he was thinking, uh, but he felt like God saved him from the fire. Well, years later, he became interested in another young lady named Grace Murray. Now, he had matured in his walk with God, so he decided to change. He was in his 40s now. He decided to change his method. He came up with a list of qualities. So he set a list of the pros and cons of uh, grace, and here's uh, what he wrote in his diary. Therefore, all my seven arguments against marriage are totally set aside. Nay, some of them seem to prove that I ought to marry and that GM 
is the person. So he felt that Grace Murray was a person. But his brother Charles, who felt he needed to keep his brother on the right track, got on the horse, rode to Grace Murray's house, fell on his knees before her, and he cried, you have broken my heart that his brother should marry her. And she got so scared that she ran off and married someone else. A year and a half later, well, John Wesley meets this lady Mary, and I I don't know what he did this time to decide if she was the one, but he got married to this rich widow, Mary. He was 47 at the time, and it was a terrible marriage. In fact, she would beat him up. No, no, I'm not exaggerating if you read his diary. She would get him by the hair and swing him around the room. And after 20 years of marriage, she left. And this is what John Wesley wrote in his diary. He says, I have not left her. I would not send her away. I will not recall her. (laughs) Well, you know, people sometimes really have trouble finding and knowing the will of God, even though they can be spiritual people. But here's Gideon's study, and Gideon is an example of really how we might find the will of God. Doesn't do everything perfect, but I want you to see the first thing is there's the assurance of God's will, the assurance. In Psalm 48, 14, it reads this. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto the end. God said all through the journey from the beginning to the end he will guide us he will lead us now how did God speak to Gideon how does he speak to us well first he spoke through a word he gave Gideon a word we have the assurance through the word of God in verses 36 to 38 Gideon said to God if you will save Israel by my hand and notice what he says as you have promised God had spoken to him before. He said, I'm going to deliver Israel by your hand. It was a theophany, an appearance of God to Gideon. And said, Gideon, you're a man of valor. I'm going to use you. And then later on, you know, he's again saying, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand as you said. So he knew what God said. In 6.14 and 6.16 in the book of Judges, it says this, God is speaking. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. I'm not ascending you. It was real clear. God said to him, I'm sending you. And then in verse 16, the Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. There are times that God speaks to us in that still small voice and it's a deep impression and you just know. Now, You do have to prove it. You do have to make sure because we all can make mistakes like John Wesley made. We're not infallible. I don't know how many times over the years I've had people come to me and tell me what God's will is for my life or for the church who don't really know the details of maybe my life or don't know the details of the church. I remember some lady calling. She had a revelation from God of how we should run the church and all sorts of things we should do. Now, she doesn't attend our church. In fact, she didn't attend faithfully any church. One of the ways you can tell, is a person submissive to leadership? And do they have a track record of hearing and obeying the voice of God? Now, Gideon had heard God's voice, and he had pulled down the altar to Baal, and God had protected him from the townspeople. 
And in the text, he had called for the people of Israel to gather around him, and there was an army of 32,000 people that gathered around him. So Gideon had somewhat of a track record. He had obeyed God, he had listened to God. Now, Gideon didn't have the full canon of scripture like you and I do. In fact, the priests weren't doing a good job in Gideon's day uh, because they really didn't know the book of Deuteronomy, which they were supposed to study day and night and night and day. And so here Gideon was, and he hears this voice from God, and God is speaking to him, and God does speak through his word. Don't pick one verse here, one verse there, somewhere. Study it in its context so you know the character of God, and you know what God would say, because God's not going to tell you something to do that is against his word. I mean, I, I've had people come up to me and say, Pastor, God spoke to me. And I, I said, oh, that's, that's great. Yeah, uh, he told me to marry so-and-so, and so-and-so isn't saved. He doesn't ask you to do something against his word. So you, you recognize that God speaks, and he speaks in harmony with the scriptures. It's so important to recognize. But what Gideon was doing here, when he asked for those fleeces, he wanted the assurance because he was not a general. He was not a military leader. He was not someone who had ever marched an army before. I believe he was struggling with inner doubt. Aren't you glad that God's patient with us? Even times he speaks to us, and yet we question, and yet we doubt. I think sometimes um, I feel like Mark 9, 24. Remember the boy who was sick, the boy's father explained, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And that's what was happening, I think, in Gideon's life. He was saying, Lord, I believe, I want to obey you, I want to do what you want me to do, but Lord, just just help me work through the doubts, work through the questions, and that's okay. Now, I would sort of leave it up to a general rule. I'd say, Lord, just show me, Just, just let me know. And that gets to the next point. God speaks through his word, but he also speaks through providence, circumstances, serendipities. In Judges 6, 39 to 40, it says this, we are given assurance through the providence of God. Here, do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. So, so God did that. There are times that God will confirm a direction you're going in. You have something in your heart, you've been praying about it, you talk about it, and God sends someone along and they say the exact same thing. You, you, you somehow hear that message through another person and you just know that you know that they don't know anything about it, but God confirms, here's what you're to do, here's how you're to walk, here's the direction I want you to go. See, God will use circumstances. He'll do that in our lives. I notice that um, in the text, God's gonna speak to Gideon later on. This is later on in chapter seven. He's whittled down his army to 300. Gideon's still a little afraid. And wouldn't you be? I mean, if you had 300 people who were not trained professional warriors and you were going up against an army of 135,000 trained warriors with swords, with camels, well-equipped. Now, if you weren't afraid, you'd be an unusual person. You'd be a rarity. But here, Gideon's afraid, and this is what God says to him in verses 10 to 13 of chapter 7. If you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Pura, and listen to what they're saying. 
Afterwards, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. That's what God is saying to Gideon. So he and Peor, his servant, went down to the outpost of the camp, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand of the seashore. What it was saying, it was a massive group. You would go down there and you would say, how in the world are we going to defeat them? It's an utter impossibility. Then watch what happens. He just happens to go to a particular tent. Someone just had a dream. They just are talking about that dream. And here, Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend a dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread. Now, barley is a poor man's food. I spoke about, really, Gideon. He felt he was the least of the least. Poor man's food. A barley loaf now comes rolling down the mountain. Now, you picture a bun coming rolling down the mountain. There's a big tent. And this bun hits the tent. The tent flips over collapses, and is completely destroyed. Now, is that likely to happen? That's a dream he had. And what God was saying is the unlikely was going to happen. The impossible was going to happen through Gideon. And, and here's a man's interpretation. It's nothing more than Gideon, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. Gideon is going to conquer us. And all of a sudden, Gideon's heart was strengthened. Now, if you want to do the will of God, seek godly counsel. If you want to do the will of God, pray over what you feel in your heart. Now, don't, when you seek counsel, don't do it this way. Some people seek counsel this way. Let's say they want help in a relationship. They tell how everybody has victimized them. And, and they share and they put themselves in the position where poor old me. Well, of course, if you go to the counselor and you tell them that, what are they going to say? Well, get out of it. You know, they're going to say, you're being abused. The Bible says one person will agree with another when they hear just one side of the story. But if you hear both sides of the story. So when you give counsel, first of all, go to someone who knows you. Go to someone who knows you. Go to someone who's spiritual. And then lay out the full picture, not part of the picture if you want good counsel. I mean, that's just, that's just practical. And what God will do is there's a direction that he is setting you in. He'll give you a word. He'll arrange providential circumstances that will confirm that word because what he wants to do is strengthen your faith. For in 1 John 5, 4, it reads, for every child of God defeats this evil world as we achieve the victory through our faith. The stronger you are in your faith, the more certain you are to be victorious. And so God is interested that you become a woman of faith, a man of faith, that you grow in your trust in the Lord. So he gives us an assurance through his word, through providence. But then there's the accomplishment of God's will. You can have the assurance in your heart, but you need to accomplish it. How do you accomplish it? Well, God always, circle it, underline it, bold it, put it in your Bible, puts it out of your reach. God's will for your life, if it really is God's will, is always going to be something more than you could do in yourself. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, each time he said, my grace is all you need, my power works best in weakness, so I am now glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. 
God chose Gideon not because of his credentials. God chose Gideon because he wanted to be glorified through Gideon's life. We get it wrong when we think, oh, God chose me because he knew what he was doing. I'm just the right person. Finally, someone's recognized my resume. No, no, no. God chooses us because he wants to glorify his name in our life and he delights to take the weak and make them strong. Now, our strength to accomplish God's will, you're gonna need strength to do the will of God. In Judges 7, two to three, it says this. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into your hand. So 22,000 men left. 10,000 remained. Now, now picture Gideon going to bed that night. Lord, 32,000 men have come, but we're outnumbered. They have 135,000. Oh, God, that's more than four times the number. And they're well equipped. God, send more men. Send more men. Send more warriors. More volunteers. Gets up and God says, you got too many. Huh. Well, all right, God, I, I guess I don't want the, I don't want everybody to be fearful. I guess it's right. And then God says, you still have too many. Another test. How are they going to drink water? Are they going to lap it up or are they going to bend down and just not pay attention? How are they going to? He takes the army down another 9,700. He leaves him with 300 people. Wow. 300 against 135,000 people? But remember, God's given Gideon the signs, and Gideon's believing the signs. He's believing and trusting God. What God wants is to make sure that we do his work in his strength. God will put you in positions that are beyond your ability. That's what God did with our church. There were politicians who said they'll never get that property. There were religious leaders who said they will never get that property. Well, they were right. If you were looking at a natural perspective, they were correct. Anybody thinking of the facts would think that way. But if God is in it, because this way, we don't take the glory. We recognize that it's God who has intervened supernaturally in ways that we possibly couldn't have. We couldn't have raised, arranged the sale, the purchase of those properties and the sale of those properties and the timing. And, and we took that step of faith and we walked out. And as we walked out and put all the resources, and then God said, okay, I filled the building with furniture for you. I'll give you 20 new smart boards. I'll fill it with desks and chairs. I mean, the timing, you just knew that only he he could have orchestrated things like that. And so when we look at those things, it's, it's a picture of what God wants to do in your life and in my life. There are things that God asks you to do that you don't feel capable or able to do. There are things that you might think, oh, how can I ever, ever do that? With God, all things are possible. Now, I noticed in the text that it, God is our strength. In 2 Samuel 22, it says, it is God who arms me with strength. And what God wants to make sure of is that we don't think it's ourselves. That's really clear in the text. And he wants to make sure that he alone gets the glory. Now, to accomplish the will of God, you need to do it in his strength. To accomplish the will of God, you need to have as your main motivation, the glory of God. It has to be that. Our motivation, 
to accomplish God's will, verses 2 to 3, in order that Israel not boast against me that their own strength had saved her. What happens is our fallen nature likes to take credit. All of us do. You know, we, we like some strokes. Women in ministry is a topic that has a variety of opinions surrounding it. The book of Judges highlights a particular woman who is not only a mighty warrior, but a wise leader in the nation of Israel. Through this study, Pastor Ed will share with us the important role that women play in the body of Christ. And this is only one important truth we'll learn as we study the book of Judges. To learn more about Building in Faith, or to get a free copy of today's teaching, simply log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. That's buildinginfaithradio.com. Although Building in Faith is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. Please join us next time as Pastor Ed continues teaching verse by verse through the book of Judges, right here on Building in Faith. Your word restores.